I've been trying to read, but I just can't seem to do it. I keep... The Outline World Dispatch. It's Thursday, November 16th, 2017. I'm Aaron Edwards. Today on the show, Adrian Jeffries looks at the company snooping on where you spend Thanksgiving, and Molly Sauter on an interactive game show app. Here's the dispatch. The future. Yesterday morning, a few publications ran with a holiday-themed data study about how families that voted for opposite political parties spent less time together on Thanksgiving. They used 17 trillion location markers from 10 million smartphones to come to the conclusion. Adrian Jeffries looked into the company gathering all that data. Hi, Adrian. Hey, Aaron. Start at the beginning. How was the study done and what did it find? This study was done by two university researchers, one at UCLA and one at Washington State University. And they looked at a staggering amount of data about where people were on Thanksgiving last year after the election. And what they found was that people spent 20 to 30 minutes less with their family at Thanksgiving if they and their family came from precincts that had voted in opposite ways in the election. So they were basically looking at, you know, what is politics, what does partisan politics do to families? And what they found was that it, it seemed to drive them apart. Was it like a survey or did they, how did they no, collect the data? So that was the thing. Uh, one of the things they said was that they wanted to look at really accurate data and self-reported data through surveys is sometimes not that accurate. So they went right to the hard, undeniable data that comes from where your cell phone says you are. So this was a cell tracking study. They looked at where people were between 1 and 4 a.m. based on location pings that came from apps on their smartphone. And they said, okay, where you are from between 1 and 4 a.m., that must be where your home is. And then they looked at where they were between 1 and 5 p.m. on Thanksgiving, and they said, okay, that's that must be where you spent Thanksgiving. And if it was a different place, and they assumed that the person had traveled for Thanksgiving. I should also note that there are a lot of assumptions made in this study. In order to figure out whether people, which way people had voted, they looked basically at the precinct that corresponded with the location. So if you lived in a precinct that went for Hillary Clinton, they assumed that you voted for Hillary Clinton. And if you traveled to a precinct that voted for Trump, you would assume that the family voted for Trump. And the way that they were able to get that data, which is strikingly specific, was through a company called SafeGraph. Did the people who were looked at in this study opt in to the study? Almost definitely not. I was not able to get a response from the researchers or SafeGraph, but probably how this was done was that SafeGraph partners with a bunch of app makers. It doesn't say what those apps are, but it's probably like free apps, like weather apps or games or wallpapers or something unrelated that people would download for the utility. And then that app is able to recoup its costs and make a profit by reselling some data that it collects on the users. So SafeGraph says basically it's up to the app to disclose what kind of data it's collecting and that it sends it to third parties and people may or may not realize that those apps are collecting precise location data and selling it to SafeGraph. 
What is SafeGraph? I've never heard of this company before. I had never heard of it either. SafeGraph appears to be a data broker that collects massive amounts of data for use by machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence companies. So their whole pitch is like, you are a machine learning company or an artificial intelligence company. You should just focus on developing artificial intelligence and machine learning, and you shouldn't have to worry about where do you get the data that trains those algorithms. Where do you, you know, how do you make sure it's high quality? We'll take care of all the data. You just worry about how to crunch it. Does that pose any security risk for personal information or location data? There's always security risk when you collect a ton of data on people. I think you have to think about what the threat model is. If you are worried about people knowing where you are on Thanksgiving, you know, if you are like the victim of domestic abuse or you have a stalker or something, then it's very scary that that information is out there. For most people, it's hard to come up with a threat model that is realistic and like actually harmful. It's more about how a massive amount of data collection is happening without people really realizing it and without there being stringent oversight and how there could be unexpected consequences for that down the road in the future. Is this legal? I think this is such a cutting-edge use case that it is kind of difficult to say whether it's legal or not. My guess is that it is illegal for these apps to collect location data without disclosing it to consumers and without telling them that their data could be sold. We don't actually know which apps disclosed they're using location data because we don't know what apps SafeGraph used. Right. And they may have disclosed it, but in a way that no one would pay attention to, like the tiny print that you scroll past when you click confirm. If I'm somebody who doesn't want my location to be shared with some random company that's collecting Thanksgiving data and where I'm going, how do I opt out of all this? So you can definitely opt out of this stuff. The first thing you can do is probably just be more discerning about what apps you download. Just because it's in the App Store doesn't necessarily mean that it's safe or above board. The other thing you can do is to turn off location services. If the app is something like a weather app where it kind of needs to know where you are, you can potentially lose functionality by turning off the location. There are also apps where you should be able to say, I'm in New York, show me the weather for New York. And if the app is a game or if it's a wallpaper, then it doesn't need to know your location and you can definitely turn that off. Aside from being potentially tracked by SafeGraph, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I am traveling to see family for Thanksgiving. However, I don't feel the need to disclose that to a bunch of strangers. <laughs> That's a good answer. Adrian Jeffries is a senior editor here at The Outline and a co-host of The Dispatch. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you, Aaron. The future. The HQ Trivia app is a mobile game show that attracts thousands of players 12 times a week. They answer multiple choice questions and compete to split a cash prize. Molly Sauter has been playing the game and it raises questions about what it means for TV to be interactive. I've never heard of interactive TV <laughs> until, <laughs> until now. So can you explain to me what interactive TV is? Interactive TV has been one of those up there with flying cars and meals in pill form as sort of the 
very perfect notion of a very perfect future from the 1950s. And so the gamut, it sort of spread the gamut once you get more video transmission friendly internet distribution. HQ or HQ trivia is now sort of being held up as like, oh no, this is, this is interactive TV and it shows up on your phone. So it's an app you download from the, from the Apple app store. It's not available on Android and twice a day on weekdays and once a day on weekends, your phone will buzz and you'll get a little push, push notification that says you should get online because we're going to start broadcasting the HQ. And then a man whose name is Scott, will start yelling trivia questions at you. Two, three. The city of Green Bay is located on the shore of which great lake? Lake Erie, Lake Michigan, or Lake Superior? And you have three multiple choice answers to choose from. And if you last and get the right answer from through 12 questions, you win a share of a cash money prize, which is anywhere from $250 to $500 up to and including $5,000. Who's going to win that money? 17, 117 winners, baby! And you divide that amongst all the people who have won all 12 questions. And so usually people end up taking home maybe up to a couple of hundred bucks. Congrats to you, my friends, my HQDs. You're each taking home $8.55. Um, but it's usually in, in the sub $100 range. Are the questions hard? Some of the questions are hard. Um, some of the questions, there was a question that was, what is the name of the place where you take your Apple products when they're broken? It's the Genius Bar. It's the Genius Bar. <laughs> oh my God, I just want some money. <laughs> it's so exciting. Um, but then there are really difficult questions like um, one that was a few days ago was what was the first uh, African-American female CEO of a Fortune 500 company? Um, wait. I did not know off the top of my head. It was the CEO of Xerox. Oh. And uh, I actually have to look it up again. Oh, it's Ursula Burns who was the first... Uh, female African-American CEO of a Fortune 500 company was a CEO of Xerox. So they can be very difficult. That sounds pretty great. It sounds like a very easy way to make money, but you, you hate it. <laughs> so when the game starts, you have this intro sequence. And this is the first thing about this game that bothers me is that the animations are 3D. They spin through space in a 3D way, but they're not shaded. So they're, they just look like flat objects that are also spinning in a 3D way. So there's that cognitive dissonance going on. Then you have the weird glitch out effect that happens every time. So that's also a very sort of black mirror, outer limits kind of a thing where there's nothing wrong with your smartphone. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. This is all really what we want to be happening. And then when the game starts, you have this image, this live image of this man who is very charming. He's funny. He's a, he's a personable man. I hope he goes on to host many varieties of quiz shows in his long and, and illustrious career. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's Well, it's the same day, but it's a new game. Standing in your phone, talking to you, but not to you. I prepared a tasty quiz for my HQDs tonight. All 70,000 plus of you. Yes, you. Rivet 40, Space Magic, Princess 5 Peach. We have literal boatloads of players in tonight's game. The interactivity is 
unbalanced and stunted in a way that distresses me. <laughs> okay, but but Molly, th- this is this is free money we're talking about. Like so far, I've I have not heard anything that has swayed me against this app. Like I'm still kind of convinced that I that I should get it and and win some money. They don't take money from you. You just you just log on and and you have the opportunity to win. Like there's no so it doesn't cost money, but and it's VC funded. I feel like there's this thing is costing money in addition to the money it's paying out. So my question is, what's the monetization strategy? Um, is it going to be mining some sort of data? Is this about location? Is this about what people know and don't know? I have a lot of questions. But I don't have a lot of answers. Right. And when something is t- throwing money at me, essentially in a way that makes me feel like it's it wants to overpower my desire to ask questions with money, I get a little anxious. <laughs> and uh, I mean, as far as just speculation around where this money is coming from, like, is there an idea of how they're actually paying out people? Uh, they're paying out people via PayPal. And is it coming from a pool of money from advertising or where do they get their money from? Uh, they get, so right now they're funding. So the guys who started Intermedia Lab are the guys who started Vine. So they have their money. Uh, the HQ, which launched over the summer, has, has venture funding from a gentleman named Jeremy Liu uh, from Lightspeed Venture Partners. Uh, he funded Snapchat, which is where his money comes from. Um, but they haven't disclosed how much money he gave them. How popular is is the app right now? I think that the ability to summon 90,000 people to play trivia means it's pretty popular. That's uh, like this app only launched in August. You know, with this app's success, what does this mean for interactive TV in general? Like if this continues on the trend that it's following, it seems like we're going to see more things like this. I think the problem with interactive TV has always been that it's going to be a huge challenge to make a meaningful interactive experience for thousands, if not millions of viewers at once. What I think is might end up happening is that we might trend away from, we continue to trend away from sort of what is actually a fairly passe concept of interactivity right now and trend more strongly towards personalization where you're taking the huge amounts of per- of data and advertising data and sort of personalized preferences that people throw off all the time and use that to create personalized viewing experiences that are maybe not quite so interactive as we had imagined like in the golden age of science fiction Molly Sauter is a PhD candidate at McGill and is writing a book about disruptive innovation. Thanks, Molly. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for The Dispatch this week. We're here every Monday through Thursday. So make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts or add us to your news sources on Alexa or Google Assistant. I'm Aaron Edwards. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more on Monday.